Hi, this is Mary Van Bonn, and I am going to be reading from Daniel chapter 7, verses 1 through 14 in the New International Version. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, Get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. And I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I'm just going to repeat that last sentence. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So the book of Daniel makes a big shift when it comes to chapter 7 and beyond. The first six chapters are historical, and they're talking about Daniel and his friends and their meetings with the courts and teaching about how to manage your life under a severe oppression. But at chapter 7, there's a shift that happens, and the book of Daniel becomes what's called apocalyptic. And apocalyptic writing has different markers. 
They are um, writings about the end of time. They are prophetic revelations through a mediator, which we'll see um, as chapter 7 goes on, that Daniel actually talks to someone in the vision who explains everything to him. So Daniel's seeing this prophetic revelation, and later he will have an explanation for it. But the imagery, apocalyptic imagery, is often very weird and bizarre, and it's often also in a setting of oppression. But the major function of apocalyptic literature is to bring comfort. So it's interesting when we read these um, kinds of stories where it seems frightening and scary and we're hearing about kingdoms falling and people being devoured, that the point of it is to give us comfort. So I wanted to just look at how that is in this section of Daniel. Often, uh, prophetic words, prophecies are what I would say is like a telescoping effect. So if you could imagine, you know how you in kindergarten used to accordion fold something and you'd make a little book or think of an accordion. You can press it together and it would be tight and small, but you can also pull it open and it will open, open, open. So this prophetic revelation that Daniel has had can and was likely about the time that he was in and the time soon coming because there was the Babylonian kingdom rising to power after which there was a second kingdom, Persia, after which a third, Greece, and then a fourth, Rome. But it also is incomplete and unfinished. And so if we pull that out, we realize that we're still in this stretch of time before the end of time, we don't really know what all of the components are, what are those four potential parts, but we do know that in the end, there is one like a son of man who is coming and who will be seated on a throne and who will have all rule and all authority. And in that is where we take our comfort. When I think about that, I realize that in the New Testament, there are multiple places where Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. And in fact, in in Matthew, he refers directly to the prophecies in Daniel and then refers to himself as the Son of Man. So the readers in the New Testament time were hearing Jesus say, I am the one I am this one seated with the ancient of days. I am the one who has all rule and dominion and authority. I am this son of man. And then in Ephesians 1, 23 or 21 through 23, we hear this specifically spoken. We hear that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So Daniel and his friends did not know who Jesus was. They were in the compressed version of the prophecy, but we know it's been spread out farther. We have more information and understanding about what is coming. And so as we go forward into the end of time, whatever that looks like, whenever that is. And we see perhaps things that might be frightening to us, chaos, devouring, oppressive authorities, terrifying and frightening things, 
people being trampled, boasting, increasing. We look to Jesus who's saying, hey, it's me. I am the son of man. In me, it gets fulfilled. I am the one who has all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion in a kingdom that is now and always will be. And so I want to take my comfort in that reality that though I do not know the unfolding of time or the future, regardless of what it looks like, like I do know this Jesus and I do want to get my comfort from him. So I started thinking about how do you do that in a very practical way? And I realized vision. Daniel is having these visions, which if you think of them like a mind's eye picture, for instance, if I just say, picture a garden, you have a picture in your mind's eye. That's a vision. So Daniel was seeing these visions and what he did was looked. It says multiple times in the verses, Daniel had a vision and he looked. He had a vision and he looked. So to gain comfort from these words that I hear and I know are true, I suggest we move to vision. So what I'm going to suggest is I'm actually going to play a song for the rest of the time today. Use the song to envision Jesus as he's described in this song and just allow yourself to see him and to look and allow yourself to feel and to experience the truth of who he is to you and to me and to the whole world. And then I'm just going to let the song end so that you can stay with whatever it is you're getting from him and stay in that time with him. So close your eyes and just listen and vision and look. Spirit of wisdom, open my eyes again. Spirit of revelation, Jesus, you're beautiful. Jesus. 
you're beautiful Jesus you're beautiful